Well, I, hope, I trust your heart's ready to receive God's word. It's always a privilege for me to share God's word with my church family. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to the book of Psalm uh, number 55, starting with verse 8. We're continuing our series entitled Storm Season, and tonight I'm going to be talking about a storm shelter. We all need a shelter because we have to be protected and allow God spiritually and in life to work with us and really have expectations that God is going to do something something amazing. You know, the last few weeks, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've kind of been invaded. We were invaded by a bunch of butterflies. How many know what I'm talking about? You have to wash, don't even wash your car. It wasn't even worth it. But they were just everywhere. They were just everywhere. And I started thinking about it. Uh, I started thinking about how amazing, you know, they started out as caterpillars, right? They're just crawling very, very slow, kind of like my speed. I just like it. Take it easy. I, are, there, are there any morning people here? If you're there, God bless you. God bless you. That's not me. I'm kind of of the mindset that let the day come to me. You know, just let it come to me. And if it happens to come at 11 a.m., that's okay. Well, Caterpillar is just slow, just chilling. They're just doing their thing. And all of a sudden, they get to do one of my favorite things, which is take a nap. And all of a sudden, over a few, over time, they create a man cave. And they begin to crash out and just sleep. They fall asleep with the remote control in their hand, and it's just glorious. But over time, over time of this time where they could be out doing something amazing, could be out, whatever the case may be, something begins to happen. And then they finally wake up from this amazing amazing, glorious nap. You know, how many love to, to, to take a nap when it's raining outside? And then you turn down the AC just a little bit more, get the cold shot right up here, and then just stick your foot out just so you can have a little bit of coolness coming in. Naps are great. But these guys, caterpillars finally have to wake up, right? They finally wake up, and then they wake up from their long nap, and then they begin to stretch, and all of a sudden they go, shut up. They're like, what the heck just happened? Something amazing happened. I certainly didn't go to sleep like this. But a transformation happens, and they are just absolutely blown away. Here's what I'm convinced of, that when we go through stretching times in our life, when we go through storm seasons, something can be cultivated during that season, and something glorious can happen. And as I began to think about storms, and I began to think of different stages of storms, I really think they really parallel to life. They really parallel to life. So our text today is Psalm 55, starting with verse 8, and it says this, I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. We all need to have a place of shelter in our life, spiritually. Not only do we need that physically, but we need it spiritually. We need to have a place that we can, we can retreat to, that we can retreat to. You know, I began to think about the various stages of storms, and they all, of course, we're right now we're in the hurricane season, and we know that it has really taken its toll on many communities. But they begin out with the tropical disturbance. This is where the circumstances are just right. You've got warm water over the sea that's about to collide with some cold water. And then all of a sudden the winds begin to pick up and that begins the process of what is a tropical disturbance. And then it starts going uh, from a tropical disturbance to a tropical depression. Now for whatever, I don't know what's, what is the, um, the deal about 38 miles an hour, but once the winds reach 38 miles an hour, it becomes 
a tropical depression. And then it transitions out of the disturbance into the depression. And then from there, from the disturbance, it goes into a hurricane. And then you know, of course, it starts all over again where there's five stages of a hurricane all based on, on wind. And as I began to think about this series that we're in on, on our midweek service and began to think of storms, I kind of came up with this conclusion that really is, is kind of the key center of what we're talking about today. And life generally is one unstable weather system. Life many times can be one unstable weather system. How many know what I'm talking about? It's just life. It's not wrong. It's just part of life. We all have to go through it. A tropical disturbance, emotional overload, we just get bombarded with everything, the ups and downs, the everyday, the everyday frustration, all those things. Then we, we go into a tropical disturbance. Then from a tropical disturbance, we go into a tropical depression. And literally, sometimes we go through a time when we're we're depressed and things aren't going that great right now. I am praying through it. My spurs are so injured right now, and I'm depressed about it. But glory to God, I'm still a Spurs fan, and so is Jesus. So uh, just, just accept it. But we go through a time in life when we have that tropical depression and things, sadness and grief comes over us and frustration, anger, and sometimes even resentment. But then we go into sometimes a hurricane. And unfortunately, we begin to ask these questions, what does all this mean and why is this happening? And it's in a hurricane where sometimes catastrophic things happen, maybe a job loss, maybe a relationship loss, a, a spouse leaves. And then these storms, when they get to this point, these storms require a new normal. It's not going to be life as you knew it. It's never going to be the same. And so what we're going to do is just say up front that life sometimes is very unstable, just like storms can be. Life can be very unstable, and we all need a place of shelter. We all need a place of shelter. There's low and high disturbances in life. And I think we would all agree that, that storms, when we go through storms, they reveal a lot about us. They really do. They show us our true colors, sometimes not that great, <laughs> I admit, because sometimes things surface, and uh, you know that you know those days when someone says good morning and you respond, what's good about it, you know, sometimes storms that we're going through reveal a lot of things about us. And so tonight, I want to talk about that, what storms reveal about us and our needs, but also what do we do when we're in the eye of the storm? And how do we find and build that shelter? So first, let's talk about what storms reveal about, about us. Now, I want to look very quickly at two stories. One of the stories is with Jesus. He's with his disciples. And it's in, um, in John chapter 16. And the disciples and some of the, some of the followers of Christ are about to go through an incredible storm. They're about to go through an incredible storm. And he, Jesus is trying to prepare them trying to prepare them, into, and the disciples are, are not necessarily understanding what Jesus is doing, what he's going. You see, they thought when, when, he was, when, when Jesus was on the earth that he was literally going to establish a kingdom, not a heavenly kingdom, not the body of Christ kingdom, but literally a kingdom, and he was going to raise up an army and overthrow the Romans, and that's not what Jesus came to do. He came to establish a new covenant and build the body of Christ, and so they have been following him. And I want you to think about this. Jesus comes to the disciples and he says, listen, guys, it's been great, but it's time for me to go. And they're introduced to a big, pretty big storm. 
Now, consider this. For the last three, over three years, Jesus went to each of them and called them. He said, look, follow me. Hang out with me for three years. They've watched him teach. They've watched Jesus heal the sick. They've watched him cast out demons. They have watched him with crowds uh, by the thousands, tens of thousands. They have experienced all of this. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes up and he says, listen, it's time for me to go. And a storm is introduced to the disciples. And here's what Jesus says. And he begins to coach the disciples. It's interesting to see, really, you got to see not only this Jesus in, in, in God's word, when we read it in the Gospels, he preaches to us, but there's a lot of teaching. And I really believe while he was preparing them, he was teaching and coaching the disciples in uh, John chapter 16, verse 33. And it says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You have your uh, Bibles like I do and not your, your, your using your electronic device. You need to circle that. In me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, they believe him. They've seen so many things come to pass. He's been true to everything he said. But nevertheless, they are still, still going to go through a storm. And there's some things that I think we can learn that will really reveal uh, in us when we go through a storm about us. The first thing is that storms reveal in us, that, um, reveals that my source of, of stability. It reveals my source of stability. It says that I have told you these things that you, that, so that in me you may have peace. Because here's the reality. When we go through a storm, we are going to look for some type of a source of stability. We're going to look for it. It not, may not be in all the right places, but we are going to look for something that's going to try to bring sanity. And what is he saying? He says, so in me you'll have peace. In me you'll have peace. We have sometimes we look for the source of predictability as a source of peace. Now, when I began to think about this, people that are looking for predictability are really the people that are kind of control, we call them control freaks. They have to know everything about everything. They hold on to their calendar, their outlook. They know when they have meetings. They know when they got to get up. They know when they've got to do this. They're just, everything is in control, in control, in control. Because that's their source of peace. But many times when something comes out of the blue and knocks them off their feet, they're not prepared for that and they don't know how to handle it. But predictability sometimes can be their source of peace. But when something just sideswipes them, they can be, it can be very uncomfortable. And then we have people that look to to other people for, for their sense of peace. Sometimes it's in a bad relationship. They look to other people. And then we have others that try to find peace in, in possessions. They try to find peace in possessions. could be in money. It could be in shopping. It could be on, you know, in, in going on vacations. Whatever the case may be, all these things, people look because that's what they find peace in. I remember years ago when I took my kids to Disneyland, and they, they were just all excited walking into Disneyland. You know, of course, we know, what is it called? The most happiest place on earth. It's not very happy after about 10 hours, I assure you. But I remember walking into Disneyland, and my kids were in elementary, uh, elementary age, and they were so excited. And they were like, Daddy, Daddy, we want to live here. We want to live here in California. I said, you want to live in vacation California. Trust me, you don't want to live in California. But there, there's things that try to find our sense of peace, and we sometimes, many times, 
We look to possessions. We look to these things. And how many know all those things become a band-aid and not a solution? And we look to those things. We look to those things and we learn. And then also the last thing is other people find peace in medicating their chaos. This is where people look to alcoholism, drugs, pornography, all these things that they try to use as an escape. And Jesus is saying, look, so that in me you may have peace. Because he realized that there's going to be so many things that they're going to experience in life when we experience storms that they're going to try to take your mind off of him and get it on something else that's going to give you temporary peace. But how many know that Jesus is the only one that can give us ultimate peace, peace that doesn't just last for this world, but something that lasts for eternity. If you're still with me, come on, say amen. He gives us peace that passes all understanding because the reality is we are not going to understand it, but it reveals in us our source of stability. Second thing that storms might uh, reveal in us, it reveals our relationship with reality. It can reveal our relationship with reality. Jesus says to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. It doesn't say you might. It doesn't say possible. It doesn't say once you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will no longer have any problems. I wish that were true. And if somebody told you that, that's some bad theology right there. It's not right. That's not true. We still have to go through it. But Jesus right here, he begins to just kind of almost adjust the discipleship's expectations. Because remember, what did I say at the beginning? What were they thinking about? They were like, yes, the Messiah is here. We're going to, to build up a kingdom. We're going to build up an army. It's going to be fabulous. We're going to kick the Romans out. We're going to send them on their way. And that's not what Jesus came to do. And so he was telling them, listen, in this world, not that you might possibly, you will have trouble. He was telling them it's going to get rough. And it did get rough. It did get rough. And he would further on saying, listen, I've got to go, but I'm going to send you somebody, which we know is the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to kind of talk about that in a moment. But he was expressing a very, very real circumstance to them. You will have problems. So I'm glad when I see that. I love when I see when you look at the text, when you look at uh, God's word and you just really see God's, uh, just Jesus' humanity coming out because he's expressing them because he's wanting to prepare them. He's wanting to prepare them. And sometimes I feel like my expectations are a little bit too high. And then when things don't go the way I think they should, or maybe even the way they should go and it doesn't happen that way, we begin to ask that question, why, God, why? I remember when Anna and I first got married back in 94. We got married, and it was around that time that debit cards began to be used a lot more. And we had a debit card, and I guess I, I don't know what happened. It was, uh, I'm going to blame Anna since she couldn't make it tonight. So I'm just going to blame my wife. But Anna left the debit card somewhere, and we didn't, I, we didn't know it was stolen until we started to look at our banking account, and, like, all this money was, was gone. Now, now, mind you, we just got married, so we didn't have any money. I mean, we were just working from sunup to sundown, going to school, you guys, many of you know what I'm talking about. And we looked on our bank account, and there was Dillard's. They went to Stride Ride. They went to, uh, they went to go eat. They went groceries. I mean, just all these things. And, and, of course, we got a little concerned, and I, 
I, I went to Anna. I said, baby, listen, it's going to be okay. Don't you worry. It's going to be okay. Then I turned around. I said, oh, Lord, please help me. Because sometimes when things happen, they knock us off our feet. We think that this could never happen to us. And when it does and when a storm comes, <laughs> it, it's tough. It stretches us. But if we begin to rely on things that of predictability, if we begin to rely on stuff to, to give us a sense of peace, that will only take us so far. And God knows exactly how far to stretch our life in a storm and not break us. But I'll tell you, when you begin to put your sense of peace in other things, uh, it will break you and it will haunt you and it will destroy you further than you thought. So we need to understand that God, God desires for us to put our trust and our peace in him. The last thing is it reveals, it really reveals our perspective about pain. It reveals our perspective about pain. You notice in the passage, Jesus says after, he says, in me, you can have peace. And in this world, you will, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, you are going to be part of a world that is going to give you tension. And it is going to hurt. And it's going to be painful sometimes. But here's what I have discovered in life. And it hasn't been easy sometimes. Even when things are painful, I've seen my God never waste pain. He doesn't waste pain. So just trust in him. Trust in him. So Jesus was speaking to the disciples. He was telling them, get ready for a storm. This is going to happen. And he was preparing them. And the other person I want to talk to you about is also, is that needed a storm shelter is King David. I want to look at King David. And we're going to read a, just a short story of really an amazing story of what I call covenant friends. We all have close friends. We have casual friends. But I really believe we all need to have covenant friends. And to me, a covenant friend is somebody that you can call at any moment of the day, whether it's at 3 in the morning or 3 in the afternoon. Someone that you can just pour out your heart to. Listen, body of Christ, you need that. Now, you need to be careful who you choose. You need to ask God to pick someone that, that brings someone into your life that is going to really surround you. But we all need covenant friends. And so this is a story about King David. Now, King David is the last of seven boys. He was chosen as very young to be, be king. We know in his early years, we have the story of David and Goliath. We know that he, he killed a lion and a bear as he was taking care of sheep. Uh, these happened, this happened early in his, in his life. As he grew older and after he uh, uh, dis, uh, killed Goliath, he began to raise in popularity. He was employed by King Saul. He was not only one of the best employees, but this guy, David, had it all. He was a musician. He was a rock star. He could sing and he could probably play multiple, multiple uh, instruments, but it gets better. Not only was he a rock star, but the dude was a warrior. He was like a Navy SEAL, WWE wrestler, all wrapped up in one. He was just awesome. And he was, he was getting popular. He was getting popular. He was getting very, very, he was a warrior, musician, and everybody started making songs about him. And what begins to happen? Something begins to happen when you have an insecure leader. Saul was an insecure leader. The moment that he saw David starting to rise in some power and doing something good, that's what insecure people do. They just try to put other people down. They don't want them to get any glory. They don't want them to advance. They don't want them to move forward. So if you're a leader, don't. 
be that insecure leader. That's not what God wants for you. But David was having success. He was up and coming. He was uh, at the top of the AP poll. And Saul says, oh, my goodness, look what I have created. I've got to get rid of this guy. And I think what happened, David finally gets the message when he's at a dinner with Saul and a spear flies right by his head and David gets the picture. And from that point forward, he becomes a fugitive and David is on on the run. He's like, man, I got to get out of this place. This guy is trying to kill me. And so here we are. This is just, that was the quick story. So here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 23 starting with verse 15 through 18, and here's what it says. And while David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength. I love that. You need to circle that right there. I'm going to read, say it one more time. Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said, my father, he's not going to lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, and David remained in Horesh. What I want to look from these verses very quickly as we kind of begin to land a plane tonight, just stick with me for another five or so minutes, I want to talk about a, a checklist that we all need to have in preparation for our storm shelter. The first thing in our checklist that we, ne- we need to have is we need to have people walk with us. In our storm shelter, when we're going through a tough time in life, we have to have people to walk with us. Look what it happens when he, he says that Jonathan went to David in Horesh. Jonathan went to him. That's why I talked about covenant friend. This was a covenant friend to, to David. You know how they name hurricanes after they, they give them names, right? So David's hurricane in this moment was really literally called, called Horesh. You know, by the way, in research, some of the most expensive and most damaging hurricanes were all named after women. I don't know what that means. Guys, we're just not that strong. Or some, I better stop before everybody gets up and walks out. It just means that you are strong, ladies. You are just so strong, and we are in awe of you. We're not worthy. But David's hurricane is Horesh. He is going through a tough time. Now think about this. What did it say? That Saul, um, Saul's son, Jonathan. Now who's trying to kill David? Saul. And who's the one that goes to David's, uh, to, to stand, in, in stand in the gap for David? It's, it's Jonathan, Saul's son. Jonathan was taking a very, very big risk. And David was on the run. He was a fugitive. And I love this quote. I love this quote um, that I found by Walter Winchell. And it says this, a real friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. We need someone that's going to walk with us in the storm. And that's exactly what Jonathan does. He takes a big risk. He takes some time. He has to go find him. David was hiding the areas that he was hiding was very, very rough. It was just a lot of mil- uh, just mountainside and rocky and all those things. So he took a huge risk. The second thing that we, we need when we're, we're building a storm shelter is we need power to sustain us. We need power to sustain us. Jonathan comes to David in Horesh, and the reality is he can't go. Jonathan can't go against Saul. 
He's his son. He just couldn't do it. They didn't have an army, so they couldn't go against Saul's army. There is not one thing that, that uh, Jonathan can do to fix David's circumstance. But what he could do is bring David a source of power and a source of strength. He says, listen, man, we can do this. He may not be able to fix it, in turn, but he can stand in the gap and say, listen, David, I know it's tough right now, but we got to just trust. we got to trust in God. We don't give up. Look up to God. He, he was literally giving him, he was probably telling David, Jonathan was telling David, here's some of my faith. Just carry some of my faith for a little bit. And many times that's exactly what we need. You may not be able to, to pull the person out of the storm they're in, but if you can come and surround them with your faith and just put your arm around them and just say, I don't understand why all this is happening, but let's just trust in the Lord. And that's exactly what Jonathan did. He might not have been able to change it, but he needed a source of strength, and that's exactly what he did for David. The third thing we need when people walk with us and then we need a power to sustain us, we need promises to assure us. We need promises to assure us. There are many moments in my life where I just have to cling to the promises of God. I just have to cling to them because the present circumstance does not look good. And I just have to cling to them. He says, he was saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I mean, he came in right away with both, uh, Jonathan came to David with both guns blazing. He said, listen, don't be afraid. He says, Saul will not, um, will not lay a hand on you. You will be king. And then he kind of seals this conversation by saying, and I'm going to be second to you. Though he probably had a, a right to the king, he was saying, listen, I'm here for you. And then he said, listen, we're going to call upon the Lord, and he is going to help us in this storm. There's often times that I pray with people. I say, Lord, we just stand on your promises. We stand on your promises. Then the last thing I want to share is the fourth thing that we need is perspective to calm us. Perspective to calm us. You know, I love what Jonathan says to David. He says, even Saul knows this. Even Saul knows this. See, Saul deep in his heart, Saul knew. He knew that he could not touch David. He knew it. And he was just reassuring him. He was giving him perspective. He was giving him perspective. And a lot of times, you know that you know how this goes. When we're we can't see uh, we can't see the forest for all the trees. This is exactly what I believe Jonathan was doing for David. He was pulling him out and giving him a forty thousand high view of the situation. Because many times, when we are just in it, when we are in the storm, when we are just struggling, when we are find ourselves just completely surrounded. Everything else looks grim, and sometimes we need somebody to come alongside us and give us a better perspective. That's what he did. He gave him a 40,000-foot view instead of looking at it. He says, hey, listen, there is a way out. We can do this. We can do this. There's, there is a way out, but we got to have the right perspective. I want to suggest for a moment as I come to a close here, then the worship team's going to come and they're going to lead us in a song and, and we're going to kind of seal this moment together. When you think about the 12 spies going into the land of Canaan, when they went into the land of Canaan, there was 12 of them and two of them that were my heroes were uh, Joshua and Caleb. Now, when you look at the text, 
when you look at the instructions that were given to the 12 spies to go into and spy out the land, they were told to go up through the mountaintop, basically go through the Negev, to go up. But when you read when they actually went into the land of Canaan to spy it out, it says that they went up through the valley. Now, I love mountains. Mountains are just so incredible. And I am sure that not only were they trying to find out if this was a place that had great land and that we could grow things and it's going to be amazing, but they also had to conquer it, right? So the best place to look from a military standpoint is from the high ground. It's from the high ground. Because not only are you going to be able to see all the, the land, you're going to be able to see where, the, where you can bring your divisions in, where you can bring the army in, where you can, you can come and surround the enemy at that time. It's all about perspective. Because when we don't have perspective, everything looks horrible. And sometimes we need to include that in our shelter, that we take perspective and we don't just focus on, on the problem, but we focus on the promise and we focus on God that's going to pull us out. You know, when Jesus left his disciples, in fact, would you stand with me tonight? When Jesus left his disciples, what did he say? He said, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you a comforter, the Holy Spirit. It's almost like he was saying, I'm going to send you a GPS. I'm going to send you a GPS. Now, all the men won't admit it, but we, are, we thank God for GPS. I'm sure a, a woman said that invented this incredible thing and said, there, enough is enough, you dumb guys, all right? And listen, I don't know if you're in a storm or you're lost, GPS become a high value, valuable thing, right? Do they not? Because they're going to tell us where to go, where to stop. And I love it when you go off the beaten path, what does it do? It starts to recalculate. Recalculating, that's the Holy Spirit in our life. The Holy Spirit begins to recalculate when we get off the beaten path in a storm. It begins to help us and speak to us and talk to us. But it doesn't work unless you turn it on. And it doesn't work unless you listen. So in your storm, whatever storm you may be in tonight, Whatever shelter you're trying to surround yourself with, trust in his promises. Know that he's right there by your side. Know that he's left the Holy Spirit to guide us and help us in your time of need. And this is what's going to happen as this is going to be our conclusion. This is really going to be, and I'm going to come back and officially dismiss this. But if you are going through a storm tonight and you're just needing a shelter, that shelter is God's presence and it doesn't need to just stay in this room. You need to take it with you. You need to take the, the presence of God with you. So I'm going to invite the team. They're going to lead us. And just rest. Find rest in the presence of God.